This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description. A practical prayer is a prayer that works. These discussions between Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence dive into the details of how it works and how to work it. Reverend Bill is a New Thought minister and the author of Practical Prayer for Real Results. Your new life begins with a new thought. Carol Lawrence is on a spiritual quest, finding the New Thought teaching after decades on the pulpit in three different traditional denominations. I've got some questions. Together, they're exploring the philosophy and activities that come together from many of the world's religions to create the practical spirituality that is New Thought. Welcome to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni. I always try to figure out whether you're on this side or this side. I am right here. Right here. I am centered and balanced and whole to the greatest degree that is possible. I like that. Today you have a topic, or perhaps it's a pair of topics. Yes. That has occurred to you to discuss, which is? Heaven and hell heaven and hell. And that seems like it's something that's important because there are those traditions that tell us that if we don't do things properly, we will go to one. And if we do things in orderly fashion, we will go to the other. And it has meaning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. These topics, these two are particularly interesting and bothersome to me. As a pastor of 30 plus years, those two subjects are always front and center and have a whole lot of stuff attached to them. And I mean this with the utmost respect as we go through this conversation, I really do. But I'm very sensitive about what the concept of both of them have done to people, you know, in their everyday lives, particularly hell, based on fear, which is just an awful thing because then it tracks a whole lot of other stuff. You know, once you can make a person afraid of anything, you can make them afraid of everything. You can control them. And hell is that. And it's become such an integral part of our culture, the human condition, that people don't even realize they're controlled. And you could track, I'm not saying it started in the church. I'm not saying that. So don't get mad at me, church people. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying it's an awfully convenient tool, but it's very cruel. It's one of those questions that we don't have a real solid answer for, which, I mean, everybody knows that we're here. And we heard the stories about what life was like before we were born. You know, mom and dad got together and either decided to have a baby or were surprised to be having a baby (laughs) or whatever our origin story happens to be. And here we are. And we look around at the people who were here. And then every once in a while, one of them drops off. And the life goes away. And then what happens to them? And that's big because it's here and then it's not here. So we don't really know what was going on before we got here. And we don't know what's going to happen and what's going on after we leave here. So there's a real desire to have some level of comfort. Like, do I just go away? Do I just completely vanish? Or does the essence of me stick around? Or do I just like walking onto a different set of a TV show? You know, I go through the door and now I'm doing something different and we don't know. And I think that's probably an intentional part of the mystery of humanity is that we don't know 
And so we get to find out. And I'll have my story about the roller coaster probably a little bit later on. Heaven and hell is if you follow the rules and behave yourself and do whatever is prescribed, you get to go to heaven, which is the good place. Mm -hmm. And if not, you get to go to hell, which is the bad place. And heaven is a place of reward and hell is a place of punishment. And there's all the stuff that you, thou shalt do or shalt not do in order to get into one or the other. And then there's the mechanisms that you can use to do some of the stuff that thou shalt not do and do it anyway. And let somebody say, well, you're now off the hook because you've done something else in addition and all the rest of it. And it's basically to sort our, ourselves into heaven or hell. And there's a really interesting notion that there is what I'm going to call scriptural behavior or ritual behavior which are all the things that thou shalt do or shalt not do in order to go to heaven. And it's really clear guidelines. And some people can follow those and do what they are told and you know, aim themselves in the direction of their reward. Then there's moral and ethical behavior. And that's the way that we behave as humans when we're not thinking about heaven and hell. You know, am I going to be kind to people? Am I going to be generous with the resources that I have available? Am I going to have a reverence for life? Am I going to be a bully? What are my behaviors going to be? So here's a key question that comes about in new thought. And we'll get to heaven and hell in a minute. Maybe. <laughs> if God were okay with any behavior of yours, if there were no scriptural or spiritual behaviors, how would you behave? Would your behavior change? Are you That's, killing people or not killing people? Because there's a rule, there's a scripture, there's something in church that says God doesn't want you to kill people. Or do you not kill people because that's not the sort of person you are and that's not the sort of person you want to be? That's a personal question you're asking me? Sure. We'll make it a personal question. I mean, it's sort of an umbrella question for everybody who's listening. Yeah. I would love to think that I would do the right thing. I would love to think that. I can't be sure, though, because I was raised in the church. You know, mm -hmm. and as much as I have shed and attempted to shed some of the things that are have not been helpful, there's still a lot of that in my belief system, probably will always be. So right and wrong and what's fair, you know, like do unto others and that kind of stuff is still in me. If it was never given to me, I'm not sure that I would be a person that is, you know, just I don't know how I would be. If it were karma rather than heaven or hell, mm -hmm. if we're going to get to go through these repeating lifetimes and what I'm doing to other people in this lifetime is going to come back to me in the next lifetime, it means exactly the same thing as do unto others, etc. Yes. But then it's not about doing something because God's going to punish me if I don't do it. It's about doing something because that's going to uplevel me in my next life. And what we talk about in New Thought is we can take that off the table. Do what we're going to do in this life. Follow ethical and moral behavior the highest and best of what we understand is our expression in the world. And then that's the sort of life that we're leading. And that activates the law of attraction. And if I'm a loving and supportive and generous person, then I will attract loving and generous and supportive activities and circumstances into my life. And if I'm petty and mean and divisive and steal stuff, then eventually my stuff's going to get stolen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to stay there a little bit because you use the word karma and you said it's the same as, 
you know, you reap what you sow, it goes around, comes around, all of that is the same thing. But it's there's not a lot of emphasis on that. And I understand fully the law of attraction. But I think when you explain karma, you have to put, and what goes around comes around. It's a nice little saying, you know, but if you really put yourself in it and say, I'm going to, how would I want to be treated in this situation? And this is how I'm always going to behave. Let me take a real safe example. I have always been a heavy tipper when I go to a restaurant, always. That I think I remember when you tip 10% or whatever. I have always straight tip 20%, always. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go up from there. And depend, the more money I have, the more I'll tip. But <laughs> And I don't even care if the service is poor. I don't care. Because somebody may have been having a bad day, blah, blah, blah. But here's the other thing behind it. And I have a motive, right? I have children. And I started this before I had children. And I thought, I want to put as much good in the universe as I can, because they may need it someday. Will I need it? Yeah, sure, maybe. But I always think I can make it. I'll be okay. I'll put it out there. And I need a reservoir, a bank account of goodness (laughs) for my children, because I don't know what kind of world they're going to encounter. And I got to tell you, there's times when I've looked at them and thought, hey, I'm glad I put that, <laughs> made that <laughs> deposit for you. You are definitely making withdrawals out of my comic account. Yeah, but you know what? It's that personal. You know, somebody might say, ah, oh, that's not, but it is that personal. I want good to come to me and everybody that is around me and that I care. And if I can help that happen and make sure I don't do any crap, that's going to mess it up. Now, do I do stuff to mess it up? Have I done? Sure. Mm-hmm. But like I get right on it, you know, and see if I can talk to the universe to straighten this out. I don't know if you can or not, but, you know, I do that because it's that real to me. Yeah. And I think that coming into alignment and understanding of past behaviors or attitudes or beliefs that we've had that were wrong thinking or unhelpful or just unloving. Sometimes those, you know, we realize it when we're in the middle of it. And sometimes it's as soon as we calm down, like 10 minutes later, and sometimes it's a day, it can be decades later. Mm -hmm. We realize, oh, there was that situation that I was in that I didn't understand at the time. And boy, if I knew then what I know now, I would have behaved so much differently. And when we come to that realization, that's where the change happens. That's where we're able to let go of that and allow that energy to go away and allow something new to start operating and that's activating the law of attraction for us. A huge piece of that is forgiveness. When somebody else did something that really hurt or bothered us and we're still triggered by it, when we let it go, that's forgiveness. We're not condoning the behavior. We're just letting go of the charge that we have with it. Mm -hmm. And when we realize that we did something or we said something or there was something that we caused in the past that was a problem, the forgiveness is for ourselves. Oh, I was doing the best that I could at the time and it was woefully inadequate and I'm going to let myself off the hook. Mm-hmm. Which Energetically for it, yeah. That's a whole nother lesson right there or another talk or another webinar on forgiving oneself, not just others. That's just really huge. But that to me, this whole conversation takes hell and heaven out of the equation, really because I don't need you to scare me about what's going to happen in my life after I leave here. 
we're not talking about that right now, but I got my idea of <laughs> how it goes. You said in the beginning, you said, well, we don't know. We don't know. I'm thinking, yeah, you don't know, but I <laughs> I know. But kihi on that. But yeah, I don't need the fear of hell to make me do what is right by you and by me and anybody. You know, what I think is right. And if it's not, I mean, I think sometimes I'm not real sure about this, but I'll do it and see what happens. And I think out of a sense of doing things right for the highest good, that means it always works. But I think intention has a little sway in this matter too. Yes or no? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely think so. And it's not the activities that we're involved in. You know, there's a lot of killings going on in the world and the people who are doing it are not saying, hey, I'm going to get punished and go to hell for this. It's mm -hmm. like, this is something that's going on right now and I'm doing the best that I can. A friend of mine is very religious, seriously religious. Started out being devout Christian when I met him. He's now a rabbi. So in all of his traditions, there's thou shalt not kill. And he was a sniper in the Marines in active duty. And he's done that on numerous occasions. You got to reconcile that. Does that mean he's going to hell? It says right there into like the commandment, thou shalt not kill, you know, but that was the job. That was what was going on. And it also says that thing about adultery and same guy, you know, involved in that one as well. Is he going to hell? I don't know. He certainly has spent some time in hell on earth, you know, not necessarily dealing with those things, but dealing with the aspects of his life that were probably possibly brought on by those. Some of them definitely brought on by those. Well, that's exactly right. What you said when you talked about the commandments. I was running through them in my head and I'm thinking, okay, so it didn't really say if you do this, you're going to hell. It's like what the addendum that, <laughs> <laughs> that was attached to it. And so if you take the, see, I had to start with taking hell and heaven out of it all together. And now what does it say? And it leaves the onus on me to decide what is right for me and everybody concerned. And how is this going to play out when it boomerangs back? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, I think if you stand in those shoes and think about that, it determines how you will behave. It will determine your decisions. I mean, you know, soldiers go to war. They Do they have a choice? I mean, they're commanders and all of that. They have to do what is passed down to them. And that's part of what scripture teaches too. You know, you honor those people that have charge over you and all of that. But in the midnight hour, if you take away the threat, what does your heart say? What's your God voice saying to you? You don't kill somebody or you don't commit adultery because you're going to hell. You don't do it because it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt somebody <laughs> else. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt a whole host of people all around you. That'll help you make a decision, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, we find examples all over scripture about people doing things that aren't in the commandments and that being a good thing rather than a bad thing. You know, there's a whole, that Exodus story as Moses has taken the tribe, you know, through the Red Sea, you know, and it parts and they make their way to the promised land. And then the army that's following them, the sea closes in on them. I got to figure that was a pretty significant thou shalt not kill event going on. And then like, <laughs> and there's Moses with his accomplice God doing it. And it was yay team. But how do you reconcile those things? I think what it comes down to for heaven and hell is 
they let us use one of our favorite things when we have an external God. When we think God is outside of us, we think that heaven and hell are arbitrary alternatives and God is going to send us to the one where God thinks that we belong. And the key that keeps coming down to is blame. Mm -hmm. If we have heaven and hell and we have God out there making decisions, then we can blame somebody other than ourselves for the silly mess that we got into. And oh, by the way, even if it was something that I knew I shouldn't do and I did it anyway, well, that was the devil tempting me. We get to blame it on the devil. And so now it's somebody else's fault, somebody else's problem. And I don't have to worry about my moral or ethical behavior as long as I have blame. Well, that brings me to where I always start. I read this. <laughs> <laughs> this I know you. This is your fault. You maybe think about of this book. Yeah. As a Man Thinketh, James Allen. Mm -hmm. I think that that is an incredible book. It's only 24 pages. And they have it. So if you want to read it and you weren't about the male central language, the, you know, gender insensitivity, it's as a man think as as a woman think as as you think it. They've fixed the title, but the book is the same. And it puts the onus for our decisions squarely upon us in terms mm -hmm. of the choices that we make. And I'll never forget when I first read that book, like I read that book right while I was in like the church like heavily in this seat of indoctrination. And I read it and I thought, ah, whoa, I don't think this is correct, right? Because there's no God in here punishing you and all of that. But it had such a huge appeal mm -hmm. to me in some way. And so I read it over and over again. And I thought, if you read this book, you have no need for heaven or hell. Mm -hmm. You really don't you are responsible. And if you decide not to be responsible, it's because that's what you want to do. So then you go run, get the devil and you can use the devil <laughs> to blame. Mm -hmm. But now nah, you can come right back to this book and, <laughs> you know, yeah, I recommend that book to everybody that I work with under whatever it is I'm doing. Yeah, Let's take some time to read this together. And we can yeah. see, yeah, because we can get on the same page. Yeah, then we, it becomes moral and ethical behavior rather than prescribed spiritual or scriptural behavior. Let's take a break and come back and talk about the samurai. Learn to put practical prayer to work in your life. The steps are simple to learn and let you begin to get real results to create the life of your dreams immediately. Reverend Bill Marcioni's widely acclaimed book, Practical Prayer for Real Results, gives you a clear summary of the new thought principles behind practical prayer and the series of easy-to-understand steps found in the most effective prayers from religions and spiritual practices all over the world and throughout history. Practical prayer is not a replacement for your religion or practice. It's a technique to make the work you do in consciousness even more effective. The book includes 40 prayers on various topics that you can adapt as needed and use as your own. Practical Prayer for Real Results is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook on Amazon or at b-the-light.com. That's b-the-light.com.
Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni. We've been talking about heaven and hell. And We're going to talk about the samurai. And I'm also noticing that your name has been getting shorter and shorter. <laughs> well, when I met you, you were Carol L. Lawrence, and we started doing the podcast, and you were Carol Lawrence, and now you're just Carol. And before long, it's going to be, hi, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Well, first of all, when you see my name written, it's the L in the middle because there's this movie star named Carol Lawrence, and I can't turn to the right or to the left because, you know, she's got everything on a lock, right? All of the domains and stuff like that. So I had to put the L in there to make a, to be able to use my own name. And then when you put my name up here, right, we're going to do this podcast, you put the Lawrence in there. And I did something with you. I won't forget this. And I put Carol. And somebody wanted me to put my last name. And I'm thinking, listen, my name is Carol. This is my brand, Carol. Carol. Okay. Just so share. Just, you're, just, you're our share. You know what? I have a domain name that it's just carol.net. That's it. <laughs> just J-U-S-T Carol.net. So now I'm waiting on somebody to say, why do you not have a capital? It's just, you know, Carol. Carol. It's Carol. It's Carol. Yes. All right. We were talking about heaven and hell with Carol. Or, and, uh, <laughs> and I was going to tell you the story about the samurai. So the samurai wants to know about heaven and hell. So he goes and he finds this monk. And the towering big samurai says to the monk, tell me about heaven and hell. And the monk looks up at him and says, I couldn't teach you about heaven and hell if I tried because you stink. You are not nearly smart enough or insightful enough to understand it. Your sword is rusty. You couldn't handle it if I were to try and tell you about heaven and hell. And the samurai gets furious and he takes out his sword and he holds it over his head and he's about to strike the monk dead. The monk says, that's hell. And the samurai is overcome with emotion that this monk would give his life to teach this lesson. He is so, so thankful and so grateful that he breaks down in tears of gratitude. And the monk says, that's heaven. Mm. Mm. That's huge. And no, I and don't it mean, didn't require ahead. any outside force to mm -hmm. explain it or to justify it or to choose door number one or door number two or the consolation prize behind door number three, if there is one. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. We're a choice. We're always a choice. And the choice is ours. I think I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, the roller coaster or the amusement park. It, to me, is completely conceivable. And I don't know that life as a human being here on planet Earth might, in fact, just be an amusement park ride. And as we're undifferentiated spirits deciding we're going to have a human ride on planet Earth, it's like going to Disney or another amusement park and deciding which ride we want to go on. Do I want to go on the rich white guy ride? Do I want to go on the impoverished person living in sub-Saharan Africa ride? Do I want to have the monastic life ride? Whatever, we choose our ticket and you mm -hmm. know we get on the roller coaster or we get on the tilt-a-whirl or we get on the little slow choo-choo that just goes very slowly around the perimeter of the park. We get to choose the ride that we're going to be on. Mm -hmm. And... All too often, we get in the middle of the roller coaster ride, and we decide, this is too exciting, this is too scary, I want to be on a different ride. And we spend the entire ride being worried about not being on the right ride. Mm -hmm. 
And it is completely possible that once we get to the end of the ride, we get off and we go on and get, and get on again or mm-hmm. take, get on a different ride. No, I'm going to go eat cotton candy from over there and I'm not going to go on a ride. We attach a huge amount of importance to us because to us, it seems like it's a matter of life and death. Because, of course, to us, it is. And that's the picture that we're looking at. That's the framework that we have is that this is the life that's given to me and, you know, what's going on in my life. So that has more to do with, first of all, remember we started out, you said you don't know how it is afterwards or before. Like I think we do choose the ride and forget that we did it, right? And so we're going and maybe want to get off this ride and get on the other ride. The jury is still out with her, you know, come back again and do it again. Maybe, maybe. maybe. But in terms of how we live this life, because I was thinking about, you use the term moral and ethical mm-hmm. and how we make our decisions. So if we take the threat of heaven and hell, pain and reward away from the whole thing, on what do we base our decisions? You use moral and ethical, which each of those have a set of standards that we agree upon. So it's written down or unwritten somewhere that this is the ethical way that we're going to behave. And the trouble there is that what's moral to one person may not be to another. And what's ethical in this, yeah, it, yeah, because, yeah, I mean, we don't like it, we may not like it, but think about it. There are people that I think something is like really important and it's like terribly wrong if you do that. And others would say, hey, you know, not really in another country is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's where the golden rule comes in. You know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, that leaves plenty of wiggle room for us doing things to other people that they don't want us to do to them. But we'd be perfectly happy if they do to us or somebody would do to us. And still, to me, that's the best way of gauging it. You know, when I was in business and we were doing sales and we're putting a deal together, when we look at the deal and look at the fairness of the deal or the proposal, I like to look at it and say, which side of this deal would I really prefer to have? Mm -hmm. And if it's like, I want to be the seller or I want to be the buyer, definitely, because they're getting the better part of the deal, then it's not a good deal. Now, there might be a situation, there have been lots of times where the person who's selling is distressed and they need to get a sale right now. So the person who's buying, who could afford to wait as long as they wanted to, is going to get a real bargain to take advantage of the distress. So it's not the value of the exchange. It's the value of the distress and the immediacy that the person needs to complete the deal. When you look at it of as this is an even exchange, energetically, this is equal. This is each party is going to come out getting something that they want. And each party is giving up something that they're freely willing to give up. That's where fairness and balance and ethics come in, as far as I'm concerned. And, and you can look at anything from that perspective and understand where the balance is. Yeah. And I like that word balance and fair. I never really used the word love a lot because I really thought it was quite misunderstood and very, very difficult to use as a guide. This is getting complicated, but... Oh, you're about to queue up a whole additional episode. Probably, probably. <laughs> but, but I have since realized how very often I use that to determine what I'm going to do in a given situation with another person. It's like, what would love say? 
And love is always concerned with the best for everybody or the best for the other person. And actually, I always think about if it's the best for you, I know it's going to be the best for me because Mm -hmm. spirit's going to make sure of that. So I always just feel that way. So I never feel like I can give too much because I'm not going to have enough. I'm always going to have enough. I'm going to have more than enough. Maybe in the moment, you know, I might be a little stretched, but I'll just hang in there because I'm going to have enough. And, you know, it's like in the practical prayer, in the introduction, it says a prayer that really works. Mm -hmm. It's going to work. Maybe not in this moment, in the next 30 seconds, or even in the 30 days, but it's going to work because if it's good and it's honorable and all of that, I just believe it will honor even my good intentions. Now, Mm -hmm. again, that's a whole nother thing, but I have in mind now some, the way that we treat people that are different in whatever ways you may define different. Love makes us not do that. You look at it from a different perspective. So if you've never been hurt, then maybe it doesn't hit you. But if you think that your interaction with somebody else is going to make them feel the pain that you once knew about something else, it changes. It gives you a different choice. Maybe Mm -hmm. I will do this or that. Yeah. So I'm not going to go down that road. But like I said, taking heaven and hell out of it is cool with me because I'll just say, what will love do in this situation? And I know it sounds corny and fluffy and all of that, but it really isn't. It's very foundational. It absolutely is. And we get to save our definition of love for another episode. And the other one that you're queuing up now, let's take a break and come back and do a practical prayer about what would love do. Get inspiration in an instant. God calls are the gentle and uplifting moment of truth to help you remember that the bright light of God's love is shining right now as you. It's your God call with Reverend Bill. Start your two-week free trial today and you'll get a phone call four times a week from Reverend Bill with an uplifting half-minute message filled with insight, wisdom, story, and fun. Let your light shine. You can answer the call to listen to it live or let it go to voicemail so you can hear it later. After the free trial, your subscription is just $5.95 a month. The details are at godcall.org. God calls are disruptive, intentionally. Whenever you write something, put on a gold star. They take you away from your routine to remind you about the truth of who you really are. They come at random times between 8.15 a.m. and 6 p.m., so you won't be expecting them. And somehow, the message is exactly what you need to hear at the time. Magic is loose in the world. It's a moment of motivation in the middle of your day. Find out more and start your two-week free trial now. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol. Here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni, and I'm not at a k- yet. <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> we have not abbreviated yet. We're going to do a prayer. We're going to do a practical prayer on what would love do. And this is all about opening ourselves up to love and also opening ourselves up to guidance. Because when what we want to do is take that next step and we are willing to do what love would do, 
then we're letting go of our attachment to doing things the way that we want to and allowing spirit to guide us in that next perfect step, that next perfect action. So let's turn our attention to that infinite creative power that creates everything, the source of everything that exists everywhere. It's me. It's everyone who's within the sound of my voice. It is everything everywhere. Is that one presence taking its own particular form? That love is at hand in all of creation. Because in the beginning, there was only, only the one, only that divine intelligence, only that infinite energy, that limitless substance that began sharing itself. Whether it was the Big Bang or in the beginning, there was darkness and void and let there be light. Whatever it was, it's all coming from that one. It is all that divine presence, that one, expressing and sharing and recombining upon itself to create everything that exists everywhere. That creative process is love itself. So we are formed not with love. We are formed from love. We are formed as love. We are each individually and all together that divine love expressed in a unique and wonderful way. So that love is at hand right here and now. That infinite intelligence that knows how to create this entire manifest universe indwells us, each of us individually all of us together, right here, right now, and always. Love is the truth and the essence and the core of what and who we are. So the claim that I make right now is that in this next moment, in this next activity, in this next step that each of us is taking, that we are guided with a clear understanding of what love would do. We are each opening to the insight and the awareness and to the suggestion of what would love do in this circumstance or this situation. And it applies whether we're going through the humdrum day-to-day -day experience of our lives, if we're experiencing something that is particularly delightful, we have an opportunity to do something to uplift and continue that. What would love to do that? And if we're facing a challenging situation or circumstance or a difficult choice, we open ourselves up to that insight, to that wisdom, to that guidance. What would love do now? And allow that still small voice to inform us so that we know that next best perfect step to take. And sometimes it's really obvious. Sometimes it's very clear what love would do, and it's easy to do that. And sometimes it's more challenging. Sometimes it seems like it's going to be a circuitous path. That I want to be going in that direction, but I'm being told to go in this direction. Sometimes it shows up seeming like tough love. The thing that I want to do is going to be seem harsh or be met with criticism. And always that infinite intelligence, that divine presence is willing to share itself, to provide that guidance, that still small voice as to what is next and what is best for us. What would love do now? What would love do next as me, as each of us, as each activity? What is my next perfect step now? And as we open ourselves up to that guidance, the next step is revealed and each of us is taking it with calm confidence and comfort, taking that next step into love and more love and more love, allowing the good to fill us, to overflow and flow through us and fill up the world around us. What love would do is bring in more love, and that's what's going on now for each of us and for all of us, and I'm so, so grateful for it. I'm grateful for the good that's at hand. I'm grateful for the flow of love that's happening now, and I'm grateful for the awareness of this creative process and the ability to speak this word of intention, of invitation, and release it into that same creative law that has created everything, and to know without any question, without any doubt, without any hesitation, that it is creating this now. And so I let it be. And so it is. Amen.
The Practical Prayer Podcast with Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence is a production of BeTheLight.com. Be-the-light.com. Where you can find more information about practical prayer for real results. Our theme is by Music of Wisdom. You can learn about the spiritual community of New Thought Philadelphia with daily guided meditations, weekly celebrations of spirit, and Reverend Bill's classes in practical spirituality at newthoughtphilly.org. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description.